Hi, it's Larry here of Xbox's Major Nelson. Welcome to the Xbox Podcast. This is the only official podcast you can get directly from Xbox and Microsoft. Some of the studios have something, but this is the one. We've been on the air for, oh, whoa, almost 20 years, and I've had plenty of folks come through here as guests, as co-hosts, as friends, as whatever you want to call them. But I'm excited because this week, I've got a couple of, well, one new face over on the left and a, and a returning face over on the right. Malik, good to see you. Good to see you too, uh, Larry and Joe. We were just talking off camera. We, we're on the same team, but we haven't really interacted too much. So just really excited to chat with Joe and hear about all things Xbox Wire. I got to say uh, to the audience at home, I am drinking a coffee that I asked for two extra shots in. Uh, so a total of five in my iced mocha. So my heart is beating. And so I'm going to try and keep myself composed. We're good to be with you all today. I don't really need to do an intro then because you kind of intro Joe. <laughs> anyway, uh, Joe over on the left-hand side there, your screen. Joe, nice to see you. You can say hello. <laughs> hello. Yeah, I was trying to keep up keep up podcast manners there. I kind of forget this isn't just audio only, so right. people can see me just awkwardly looking. while, while looking. But anyway, uh, uh, yeah. Joe, is, Joe is new to the show, but he's not new to the team. He's been with uh, Xbox three or four months, four, four or five months now, right, Joe? Started end of November. So end of yeah. November, Co yeah. yeah. So Joe, just so you don't know, uh, if you don't know, Joe is the editor-in-chief, the head of Xbox Wire. Let's so, say editor-in-chief. I like it. It yeah, makes that me sounds, sound like a man sounds old official. Movie. That sounds uh, awesome. <laughs> which is news.xbox.com. So Joe, you've probably seen his name on the byline cropping up recently on some of the uh, some of the stories. But Joe, I want to before we get going, and we've talked to Malik and his journey over to in the games industry, but I want to see if you could tell us a little bit about yours, because they may recognize your name from some other areas. So give us a little bit of your CV, as y'all like to call it. Yeah. Um, yeah, my CV is uh, 10 years of video games journalism up until this point. So I, I started out, actually did my first ever games job was work experience at Official Xbox Magazine in the UK. So OXM. That was that OXM. That's how I got my start. Um, moved on to Official Nintendo Magazine. From there, went to Games Radar and then spent the bulk of... Did you call my... it ONM, by the way? We did call it O&M, okay. uh, which was confusing because the version before that was N-O-M and no one could remember which way around to say it. Um, yeah, then Games Radar and then eventually to IGN. I spent six years at IGN and then made the jump to Xbox last year. And I'm very excited to be here. So you, well, first of all, we're thrilled to have you. And as, as Malik kind of teased at the beginning there and his, in his espresso-fueled rage, uh, <laughs> I wasn't really rage. But, you know, you guys are, we're all on the same team working on the, on the, on our storytelling communications team. But you guys have never really met until you've been here uh, side by, essentially side by side here on the, on the, on the Yeah, console. it's a first one-to-one -one in front of, tens of thousands of listeners that's kind of <laughs> awkward oh, but i gotta say um it's awesome uh i i like oxm was my first magazine obviously the u.s version uh but it was like <clears throat> especially as xbox is launching such an introduction to the you know xbox as a platform and i know for so many people who have grown up have such a connection with that magazine uh whether it be the u.s or the uk version and so um, it was just like, it's just really cool to kind of like hear about someone who's worked on something that's like in many ways iconic as a brand in, in OXM. And so um, that's awesome. I didn't even know that. There you go. Yeah, it was, it's, it was, it feels like I'm coming full circle. Like after sending a, a random Twitter DM to an unsuspecting editor years ago, being like, I'd really like to try this. And now actually uh, helping to run an Xbox outlet myself. It's, uh, yeah, it's been quite a journey. It's cool. And not, not that it that. matters because, you know, we live in this global village that is planet Earth, 
But Joe, you're actually not here in the United States. I, I detect a slight mm. accent. I believe you're from somewhere else, correct? <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm based just outside of London. Uh, yeah, so I'm. Uh, I'm British. I say I'm British. I'm. I'm from all over the place. I was Good. born in Canada. I've got Australian heritage. You know, I'm. I'm just a mixed up kind of guy. We all are. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> right. I will say. I want to say that uh, I. I wasn't going to bring the, the accent up, but I'm. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a big accent person. I do them terribly, mm. but I just. I'm kind of like. I'm kind of like. Uh, like disappointed or like let down by my lack of a Brooklyn accent. I was born in Brooklyn, and so mm. I, I live through people's accents. And I wish that I could like. I wish I could recreate a British accent, but it's really bad. I think when we went to XO19, I tried, and people were like, "Please stop." You're uh, <laughs> with your terrible recreation. Well, actually, actually, accent. Malik, you don't know this, but it was an international incident. There was there was there was ambassadors. There were late night meetings. But but you're OK. You're OK. Just okay. don't do it again. OK. <laughs> yeah, they got rushed out of the country <laughs> under a under a coat. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're, we're just I'm so excited, Malik. You've been on the show before. Um, you know, it's great to have you back again. I know you've been busy. Joe, again, your first time on the show. Xbox Wire. We're going to talk a lot about some of the work you've done, including uh we've got some news first of all i want to talk about gdc game developers conference mm. this show which we are recording on a wednesday is going to drop on a wednesday because we wanted to get this news out there as quick as possible you're going to be sharing some information later on joe uh, in the show here about redfall you had a chance to get some hands-on with single player redfall correct yeah absolutely yeah i played it i played a 90 minute demo twice because i finished it once and was like please can i come back and they somehow said yes so we'll talk about that later on uh and then your coverage of that malik uh we, we usually start with what we're playing and i'm a little concerned because malik i i've been checking you i've i've, I've been watching you on xbox live and i are you know checking out your status because we're friends what, what have you been playing well, I'll, I'll break down the fourth wall a little bit. Like as we were getting ready for the show yesterday, I was like, Larry, I haven't really been playing many video games um, because I just got back from a vacation in Miami, uh, which was my first time in Miami and it was absolutely beautiful. I want to move there so bad, but it's, it's just, it's a, it's a lot. So I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a great place to live, but maybe I just visit it every <laughs> once in a while, but it was beautiful. Uh, definitely better weather than, than here in Seattle, which is, which goes without saying, but I yeah. uh, had a great time. So I, I'm getting back and kind of getting back into my group of things. And so just taking baby steps back into Apex Legends. So stop me if you've heard that before. I know that's the game that I play. I will say though, that last night in preparation for this and i didn't actually follow through with it i did re-download a game that i have a gamer confession about which is that mm. and i want to see if y'all y'all can guess what game it is but it is from the xbox one generation uh and it is seen as one of the best first person shooters single player first person shooter campaigns of all time that i have not finished and i'm i i feel bad admitting that i haven't finished it y'all any guesses of what that I'm is i'm gonna guess Titanfall 2. That's what I was going to say. Yes, you got yeah. it, Joe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so I re-downloaded Titanfall 2 last night. Uh, and By the way, do, the I'm, key I'm, word I'm, here for those of you listening or watching is downloaded. In other words, yeah. <laughs> I didn't he couldn't through. even be bothered to press A <laughs> Okay, if, if it after it downloaded. <laughs> Yeah, if it makes you all feel any better, I decided to you know go to the gym and get on the treadmill instead of playing a game. So maybe maybe that's a maybe that's a good. I love know. that because I assume when you're on the treadmill, Malik, you you were like you 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 had your Kindle and you were reading a book. One, I don't. I know some people do read books on like treadmills and bikes. How do you do? I don't. I would love to know if anyone put a comment below. How do you do that? Because I feel like the walking nature and it's just like wobbling. 
not that I would ever read a book, but I am very curious well, in hearing. There, there is one way to do it. You know that, right? What's that? Oh, audiobook. It's called Audible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> Maybe that's say. how I read my first book, if that counts. Okay. Anyway, so you, so you, long story short is you've downloaded Titanfall 2, but you, you have yes. played it before, right? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm okay. about like, I would say 85% of the way through, but I just have not gotten through to finishing it because I okay. went to the multiplayer when it came out. And so uh, I, next time I'm on the podcast, I will have completed Titanfall 2. Okay. We're recording tomorrow. <laughs> okay, okay. No, no, no. that's my homework for tonight. <laughs> as, lo- as long as you've played that mission where the village gets built around you and you're like jumping from house to house, that's just one of the best missions. Did you just spoil? Did you just spoil, Joe? Oh, it's Joe? such a vague description. Come on. And also, frankly, <laughs> how long after this game came out are we talking right. about? We, we've, had that, we, we've had that conversation is what is the timeline yeah. which indicates you're okay to talk about things that aren't spoilers. You know, when is, I don't know, but we'll, I'll let Five the years, after. maybe? I, I think know. as soon as you're saying, I have a confession to make, I haven't played yeah, this that's game, true. that that's time true. is a That's when it crosses over. <laughs> Joe's keeping us honest. I like it. <laughs> yeah. so, so the long story short is, uh, Malik, is you haven't really had a chance to play because you were, you were just, you were too busy scrolling um, places to, to move to in Miami. Is that is that the TLDR? Okay. Miami, San Diego. Anybody else have a good re- good recommendation for where I should move? Put them in the comment section below. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna challenge the internet. Who you know the comments? Go find a place where, where they read the most books and has the most libraries, so that we can really mm. set Malik up for success. Mm. I so, appreciate that. I appreciate that. Anyway, uh, but yeah. So uh, let's. We'll t- Joe, what are you playing? I mean, you t- we talked about Redfall. We're going to talk about that in, in just a moment. But what are some of the things that that you're playing in your in your off hours? The thing, uh, I'm not playing it in my off hours now, but I spent most of the weekend playing Exoprimal. Uh, while everyone else was trying to get into Diablo, I was playing the game about shooting thousands of dinosaurs and having an amazing time. I'm a proper Dynasty Warriors guy. I like games where there are loads and loads of enemies on screen and you basically just tidy up. Like right. any game that feels like tidying up through violence. I'm into now, it. Now you say, thing. I want to talk about one thing. You say tidying up. Let's let's talk. Let's un, like, can we unwrap that a little bit? What do you mean? I just want to make I'm sure. I just mean like there's all these people over a map, and you just swing a sword or fire a gun, and they just gently disappear. Oh, you're cleaning house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I find it intensely relaxing. And Exoprimal, what I didn't know going in to this open beta was that it would feel like a game show, like it's two teams going through these challenges at the same time you've got this sense of racing the other team right like it's kind mm. of like gladiators slash american gladiators i believe it was known as uh and like that sense of like you're really racing against the other people in these very specific challenges but at the same time it's also looking up at a sky skyscraper and seeing ten thousand raptors fall out of a portal it's just it's a wonderful thing i'm very excited about it now this um, you, you were playing so, yeah. you're playing the, the the a pre-release version or the beta the beta the beta there was an open beta at the weekend yeah yeah okay so it's it's exo primal that's coming uh, later this year it's gonna be available on you know yeah. all, all of our platforms so t- stay tuned for mm-hmm. that uh you've been playing um so anything else before we move i'll talk about what i'm playing I finally finished Hi-Fi Rush this week as well, which oh, was a delight. Yeah. Like, I've, I've just been kind of taking it mission by mission. Every so often, I've just been like, oh, I'll treat myself to to a mission of Hi-Fi Rush and finished it. And what a lovely game. Like, yeah. such an optimistic, mm-hmm. just, 
I wasn't expecting it's a satire, you know, it's got all it's got this kind of like edgier undercurrent to what it's talking about, but there's just something about how cartoon positive it all is at the end that I really like really worked for me. Um, right. It was just it was a lovely, lovely time. And it looks incredible. I've never seen yeah. a game that looks like that. And I haven't seen people yeah. talk about that as much. Yeah. It's it's got a great look. I've, I'm I'm kind of doing the same thing. I, you know, because it's you can get quick resume and it's single player, you can kind of jump in and, and mm. bang out a level or a half a level or, or a section of the game. And I'm I'm kind of chewing it going through it as well. It's it's it is a it is a delight and a treat. Let's just say that. Yeah. Really is. Um, what else am I what am I playing? Oh, Halo Infinite multiplayer. You know, I saw got, you last night playing oh yeah, Halo. Season three. They've, got, they've got the new season out, um, so they've been going through that, and it's great to to get back in there. And that that I think I've talked about this. I know Malik. I think I've talked about it on the show. That's kind of the social social meeting point yeah. for a lot of my non gamer friends that don't work in the industry. Is we get on and play for a half hour, and just kind of catch up on our days and so forth, and talk about some nerd stuff, and then and then we move on. Then I go play hardcore games, and they go to bed or whatever they're doing. So it's it's one of those. It's always a lot of fun. Um, so you, you can join us. Some, I know Joe, Joe, I know you're, you know, being in the UK, the time differences are a little extreme for us to, to mm. kind of game together, but Malik, you only live a few miles away, so there's no excuse for you. I, I, <laughs> I want someone in the, in the, uh, xbox podcast community to put together uh, a collection of all the times larry has said we should play together we should play together and um and then i'll put together a collection of the times we have and it'll be zero there won't be a collection <laughs> it's not like i don't want to i mean what's true, is there no true. desire is is it tell me what what can i do it's okay Malik? you know honestly it's okay because uh again i'm just so enraptured by apex legends that it's very hard for me to play any other well games, i play that I, as well I, you know okay well, you know what? We should do. Apparently, I need to meet you. You're not going to meet me. Uh, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I actually um, talked to somebody about this, uh, and we should do like an Xbox internal turn- tournament because um, now they have open. So you can make a private server in Apex Legends. Right. Uh, mm. And I would love a little bit of friendly competition across, or even Halo. We could do it with Halo, but any any game. I want to see who's the best first person shooter player at xbox and i promise i'll train and maybe that's the way that we end up playing together on the scene. yeah i mean i've been doing this for a long time so i've done, played with uh when when bungie was here with halo and we've done it with other games but i'm happy to do that uh before we continue before and so i'm not just brushing you off i'd, I'd love to chat with you mm-hmm. more about that but sea of thieves is also something that i i went back into um which is i know yes. joe you've been up to rare recently i haven't been out there in, mm. in years uh the game is just the game has come such a long way hasn't it hasn't it uh, do, do you play do you play it malik or joe i know joe you play a little bit of it yeah <laughs> yeah i i uh, i was letting malik little, say yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i I've, I've played it in the past i haven't played it as much recently but obviously with five years the five-year anniversary which congrats to rare like i think when that game game came out like it was very new um for you know a kind of new idea for a game uh and the team had like worked on it and built content into it and like the team at rare just amazing and so congrats to them i remember the first when it launched we did a really awesome stream where we had like a it was put together by aaron greenberg and we had like a really big competition and we played the game afterwards and it was just really great and so i i love what they're doing and really respect the team at rare and i think everyone in the video game community probably does too and Joe, I know again you, you're running Xbox Wire. You had a chance to go out there and you wrote this beautiful piece, which which posted earlier this week. Can you kind of do a high level uh, review or you know recap of your of your piece? 
Absolutely, yeah. And thank you for saying it was beautiful. I tried. Um, it's uh, it's a big retrospective about Sea of Thieves, but from a very specific angle. We knew they had their own documentary coming out, uh, which is amazing, by the way, Voyage of a Lifetime. Um, some amazing stuff in there. And I really wanted to take it. So I've been writing about Sea of Thieves since before it came out. I was playing the original E3 and Gamescom demos. I've been interviewing that team for years and years. Yep. And I was looking back over an old interview I did with Mike Chapman, the creative director. Who's still there, still working on it. Yeah, and had this amazing moment of realizing he was telling me about features coming to that game years before they made it in. And they've yeah. just had this like incredibly clear vision for what this game is going to be from the very start. So that's what my piece is about, talking about what is the first moment you ever spoke about Sea of Thieves or what would become Sea of Thieves. Um, as it turns out, it started out as a game about secret agents. That's what they were, that's what they were thinking about making at the time. Yeah. Um, and Wow working from that point and going here's how that vision has powered every single thing since from from the prototype there's an amazing little video in there that you can see of uh, phil spencer and kudo Tsunoda playing the prototype for the first time ever there's wow. a little 20 second clip of them playing it um through launch which obviously was was tough that the game wasn't in the place that i think players or rare wanted it to be when it came out and then the way they've turned it into something bigger than I think they were ever imagining at the time. And even them saying, we just had a meeting about the next five years. Yeah. So it's this it's this incredible project. And there's really nothing else like it, like in terms of what the game is and in terms of how it's been put together. And uh, it felt worthy of, of writing a massive feature about. So, so check that, that out. on the site now. Yeah, news.xbox.com. You know, you talked about that, the early gameplay with, uh, with uh, Phil. And I actually played that build as well. And there's no mm. video of me. But Jeff, I, I'll never forget it. Uh, Jeff and I went up to this conference room. We've told this story before, but I'll recap for, for you guys. Maybe you haven't heard it is we went up to this conference room on the second floor of one of our buildings. I remember exactly what conference room it was. And we walked in and there were PCs set up around and we sat down and you see a little bit of it in the video that you, uh, that you talk mm. about, Joe, the stick figures, the, the boat, the swimming, you know, all of the elements were there. It certainly wasn't as beautiful as it is now, but you could you could get a sense what's was we say in the industry what's the gameplay loop what am i doing mm -hmm. and it was so to your point it's been such a a journey to watch that team grow uh the game in so many ways uh, and you're right you know joe need and mike chapman have had such a clear vision for what they wanted to do and it's frustrating because, as you said, you know, the game wasn't where it wanted to be or where the fans wanted to be at launch. You always want all this content, but it just takes time. Those things take mm. time. And they've been working at it. I, I booted it up the other night after the update. And I don't know when the last time you guys were in the game. But I was like, I, I, I spawned into Golden Sands. and I was like, what is this? It was completely yeah. different. I mean, it has gone way up market. Um, it was it was really pretty extraordinary. So um, I, if you haven't had a chance, again, Sea of Thieves is in Game Pass. There's no reason not to check it out for Game Pass subscribers. Go in and just, you know, set up set up your 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 boat and look at your pirate and get your pirate ready. And there's a beautiful little uh, kind of would you say it's an on-ramp or it's an introduction kind of tells you how to play the game right right joe you've, you've yeah the maiden voyage yeah section. the maiden voyage yeah. yeah but check it out i mean it's worth it it's it's such a lovely world to play in and be in and it's so beautiful in fact i've actually you know i i don't know if i've told you this story but when i when you spawn in you spawn in somewhere in the world you, you don't really control where it is 
And I always get ragey when I'm in the kind of the the murky dark area because I, I <laughs> yeah. we live in that in Seattle and you live in a little bit in London. <laughs> yeah. But I get I get ragey and I'm like I have to go to the I have to go to the sunny section. I have to go to Miami with like Malik. I've got to <laughs> get there. So um, anyway, it's 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 a fun game. Check it out. So anyway, uh, any more you want to say about that, Joe? Before we get into, the, I'm going to have you do the news this week since your Xbox Y is your baby. Um, anything you want to say no, about I mean- Sea of Thieves? Please, I mean, just please play it. It's it's in such a good place. Uh, it's such a pleasure to talk about because there's just so much going on in there. I think the Golden Sands thing really is is the epitome of it. Like you can see how the games grow. You won't even. I'm telling you, location you, in it. If you've been to Golden Sands in the past, you, when you spawn, you I, I here's what happened. This is this is slightly embarrassing, but true story. I read your article. I've been hearing people say it. I spawned in, and there is a photo board. Did you hear about the photo board? Mm. so there's this malik there's a board that you can like basically take your photo against it's like an anniversary board Mm -hmm. and i was like oh i read about that so i'm like oh i've got a gold i have to go to golden sands so um i spawn i look for my boat because i'm like how do i get to golden sands because i i knew the map is on the boat so i get i get to my i get to my sloop and i look at the map i'm like oh I am on Golden Sands. I completely <laughs> didn't even know. That's how different it looks. Is I didn't even realize I was there. It was it was just breathtaking. So, all right, uh, Joe, we're gonna lean on you yeah. a little bit. You're gonna tell us some news, and then we're gonna get into Redfall, and then we're gonna talk GDC interviews. We got a bunch of those. So, Joe, take it away. Give us the news, the Xbox news so far. Absolutely. So, uh, big news uh, as of yesterday. We've got the latest wave of Game Pass games that got announced. Um, that included out now Nino Kuni 2 Revenant Kingdom, the Prince's Edition. So yep. that's the uh, the original Nino Kuni 2, but with all the DLC um, as part of your Game Pass subscription, which I think is, I mean, that must be hundreds of hours of game. Easily. Uh, so <laughs> there's a lot there. Um, coming up next week, uh, that includes MLB The Show 23. I'm not a baseball guy except for loving the film Moneyball, but if there's anything to do with Moneyball <laughs> in it, so, I might So that's right. There is really no baseball per se in, in UK, right? We've got we've got the cricket, but I'm not really into yeah. that. Well, that, that's the difference a game between that's... cricket and baseball? Oh, like, what? what? What's the difference? Oh, Malik. yeah, like yes, I, mean, I mean, they have a bat. One is flat, no. and one's like one, one takes like three way. weeks to to play. <laughs> it takes there, there is that. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's They've a lot. Introduced whole new leagues to make it quicker to play. So I think that's the. Yeah. Uh, By the way, Malik, there is there is a uh, a place near where you and I live. You and I live fairly close to each mm-hmm. other. That where yeah. they play cricket. So I'll see if I can find out what the schedule oh, really? is. Maybe you and I can go down okay. there and see a game yeah, in progress. I, w- so. I would love to know what this this. Uh, to be fair, cricket. I don't know. I don't know what's going on either. To be fair, I have okay. no idea. Uh, anyway, go ahead, Joe. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I will say the um, the thing that's that's really caught my eye about MLB the show this this year is um, some of the stuff they're doing with sort of uh, campaign modes and like history history elements to yeah, it. So there's yeah. a there's a, a Negro Leagues section, which is you know an element of baseball that I've heard of before, but I've never yeah. learned about, and it promises to actually teach you the history of the game and. I'm going to download a game to learn about history. Who would have thought? Um, not since the discovery tours of Assassin's Creed have I done that. So I've, <laughs> I'm really impressed by um, by by that idea and, and as a new way to get into a game that otherwise would just kind of pass me by. Yeah, MLB um, the so show. Yeah, that's, that's uh, we'll get somebody. Really I usually have a Ramon Russell on each year from that team. Uh, Jeff usually interviews them. We've got some scheduling. We're working on getting Ramon on because MLB the show is really big for for the for the Xbox audience. What else you got there, Joe? 
Um, and yeah, just just rounding out the Game Pass section, uh, we've, there's also Infinite Guitars, which I hadn't heard of um, until very recently, but is a rhythm RPG. And after having just finished Hi-Fi Rush, I'm really into the idea. Your of ears are perked up, aren't they? Rhythm stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah. So yeah, and there's, I mean, they describe it as vibrant anime inspired art, inspired art, adrenaline fueled mech battles, and a blazing original soundtrack. All of which Ooh, mech sound battles. superb to me. Mech battles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's mech battles that always. And yeah, there's the Titanfall connection. We're all getting a yeah. little bit of what we want. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, I also wanted to to draw attention to um, as you can tell with our Sea of Thieves stuff, we're we're trying on Xbox Wire to tell bigger stories than ever before and really dig into some of the topics around Xbox and the games that we're we're releasing in our platforms as well. And a super fascinating one written by one of our editors, Mike Nelson, this week uh, came out yesterday. We've, we've called it How Microsoft Flight Simulator is Keeping a Ukrainian Dream Alive. Um, a few weeks ago, they introduced in Microsoft Flight Simulator um, the, I'm going to butcher this, the Antonov AN-225, which yeah. is um, the, the largest plane ever built in real life. Uh, which was sadly destroyed at the start of the uh, the conflict in the Ukraine. Yep. And they set about rebuilding this game inside the game and the- dedicating all the uh, proceeds for that DLC to rebuilding the plane in real life. Right. Um, we have this this huge in- interview with um, the team at Flight Simulator and the chief pilot of that plane. Because um, you have to remember, you know, to your point, Joe, there's you know, pilots get trained on specific airplanes, you know, when you're flying a mm. 707 or 730, whatever it is, and there's that's their speciality. But there's there's only one plane like this in the world, unfortunately, exactly. and now it's destroyed. So this this one individual, that's his job was to to fly mm. this airplane. And there's not many people that are qualified to do so. <laughs> and so they they worked with his expertise, and this is a real breakdown from from some like huge um aviation fans and and experts into how exactly you rebuild this plane digitally and how that might help rebuild it in real life. It's a fascinating article. I, I knew very little about what was in well, there. Well, we're going to have Jorg we're going to have Jorg Newman who's been on the show in the past who runs the flight simulator mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> business. He's going to come on in the coming weeks to give us a little bit more of a preview of how that worked. So go over, here's your homework. Homework, Malik, homework, uh, is to go over, <laughs> yeah. read the story, and then then we'll have a follow-up interview coming in a few weeks. Looking forward to that. I yeah. love Flight Sim. It is some of my most stunning gaming experiences in the past few years have been just flying places I could never be on, on my 4K TV and just like soaking it in. Amazing. I, I love that game. Love it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a really great piece. Um, and to round out the news and to segue a little bit, we also, as of what, a couple of hours before recording, uh, a big hands-on preview with Redfall, which I got to play um, in the last couple of weeks. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I sort of broke down, uh, there you go, characterful. It's a fun pun. Um, I, I broke down, what 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 happened was we got this solo build, uh, we got 90 minutes with the game, uh, with one character, and I played through that, and my immediate thought after playing it was, I want to know what this feels like to play with a different character because right. as an arcane fan the the love of those games stems so much from the fact that they give you a single target and then let you approach it in multiple ways know, infinite numbers of ways right um and this game is doing that same thing but applying it in a very different way they have this cast of four characters with incredibly different abilities 
And that's where that openness comes through. I played the same demo and I, I chose the same routes and did the same things, but with a different character the second time. And the difference in that game is is stunning. And yeah. it, that's really where I was like, oh, this is what this is the arcane thinking at the heart of this, because the structure of it is a little more classic open world shooter. There's they they referenced um, Harvey Smith from the design team referenced Far Cry 2 specifically and Stalker as their their influences, which is a little different to the sort of immersive sims and things yep. that they've been they've been building on before. But when you get into that, oh, this character approaches it in this way, and this character approaches it in this way, and see how different an experience you have with those two characters, it it really blew yeah, it really lights it up, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's just as a solo player. Like when you're building in, you know, up to four other characters, like who knows where that's going to go next? So right. it's it's a really really fascinating fascinating project. I cannot wait to play more. Um, and just the characters themselves are, are great. My favorite so far is Devinda Crowsley, who I describe in the piece as all four Ghostbusters rolled into one man. Um, <laughs> he's, he's like a, he's a para scientist, I guess you call a paranormal scientist, um, who's previously been sort of writing about or YouTubing about paranormal stuff and has built these, um, gadgets to help him find things. And then when he gets stuck on Redfall, uh, after the vampires emerge, he has to change all his gadgets into, okay, I don't want to just find them, I want to kill them as well. And so he's got this sort of like botched together high tech um, that's really, really satisfying. My favorite thing about him is he he kind of commentates on everything as he sees it. Like he's giving the vampires names and like studying them as a scientist out loud while you're talking. And it's just like this. He's got his own internal narrative like, going. Yeah. It kind of turns the game into like a documentary about vampires at the same time as an action experience. It's so cool. Like it's a fun. really, really fun, fun idea. Yeah, it's it's just a it's a great time. I can't wait to play more. Well, uh, head to news.xbox.com for all of those stories, including the one you just heard about from uh, from Joe about his hands on with a Redfall, uh, some single player action. Uh, we talked about uh, a bunch of other stuff there. So check that out. But first of all, as we as we start at the top of the show, GDC coming up. Game developer conference, big uh, down in Los Angeles, excuse me, down in San Francisco. Joe, have you ever been? I haven't, and I would love to go. It was not on the cards for me this year, but yeah, I mean, I've been a few years. I haven't gone. I'm not going this year, um, but I I have been in the past. Malik, you've you've not been, have you? I haven't, but I've been seeing everyone posting about going there, and uh, it just looks like a great time. I think uh, I I just love the idea, especially, and I know we'll get into it a little bit with ID at Xbox uh, with Chris Charla, but I love the idea of hearing developer story, hearing, you know, hearing their passion, where the ideas came from for some of these games. These games don't just pop up out of out of nowhere. They come from like a lot of work in the background. So such a great conference. I've never been to, but maybe maybe next year. Like, well, we we got some great interviews. Got four interviews. Malik, would you mind bringing us into those interviews? Because I think people are really going to enjoy some of them. In fact, all of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have four interviews, like Larry mentioned. Uh, we're going to start off with James Lewis uh, talking about the new developer acceleration program that was announced at GDC. Kristen Cox from Xbox Game Studios. We're going to chat with her. Uh, we have Chris Charla, 10 years of ID at Xbox. I wore, I wore my shirt for that moment. Uh, and Trista Patterson talking about sus- the sustainability news coming out of GDC. So enjoy the interviews. GDC continues this week. Uh, Xbox was down there in a big way. We've had some great news. One of the pieces of news is the Developer Acceleration Program. And I am very excited today to be joined by Mr. James Lewis, who is the lead for the Developer Acceleration Program here at Xbox. James, welcome to the show. 
Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're super excited to finally announce the program and talk about it. So happy to be here. It's exciting. I, and, and I mean, it kind of people can kind of figure out what it is, accelerate. But tell us a little bit about what the program really means for, for game developers. Absolutely. Let's jump into it. So to start with, you know, Developer Acceleration Program, our mission is to empower underrepresented creators with the resources and information needed to bring their creativity, innovation, and originality to Xbox. And so we do this in in three primary areas. So the first is with uh, porting support. So for teams that are new to shipping on Xbox or haven't, you know, haven't shipped before and and have some awesome games, we want to provide, you know, small amounts of funding that can help them offset the costs that they have of bringing their titles to Xbox. This is to ensure that they're set up for success and and just have everything they need to be able to bring the game, first of all, to the platform. Uh, The next way that we help is with information. We know that teams that, that may not have a lot of experience shipping on console, that just knowing or figuring out all the things you don't know is part of the barrier. So trying to provide access to store best practices, you know, marketing best practices, what is certification like? Like these are all the types of topics that new developers seeking to come to our platform are interested in. And so we create opportunities for them to really talk to subject matter experts across Team Xbox to learn about these topics. Uh, Something we call green room events. Uh, We do these on a monthly cadence and we invite our, our developers to come in and ask questions. And so the information that we discuss is not exclusive to our meetings, but I think it's important that we create an environment that is intentional and allowing new developers to ask questions that are relevant to them and their experiences. And so, you know, being able to ask questions in a small group is important. So the information piece is something that we're really excited about and a key part of our program. And then the last aspect of our program is this new initiative that we're piloting currently, which is our prototype initiative, because, uh, The thought behind this is that a lot of new teams really just historically have lacked access to um, resources to get their ideas off the ground. So we want to make sure that we're providing an opportunity for underrepresented developers to get their ideas off the ground, create a prototype and de-risk their ability to go and get that publishing or or just get that the funding for uh, actual development. And so we're doing this with a small number of teams right now. And it's it's really something that we're, we're learning from and doing. But the goal here is to really help to uh, independent developers be able to communicate the vision that they have for their game. So when they go into that pitch conversation and someone says, hey, this sounds cool, but can you deliver? They say, actually, I have a prototype. Check it out. <laughs> and that goes a long way in helping those conversations be successful. So those are the three aspects that we're really excited about. I, I want to talk a little bit, a, a couple things. First of all, Chris Charla, yep. who is, runs the ID at Xbox program, is, uh, you know, you're, you're part of that team. Um, you know, this, this Chris is going to be on in the show. We've already, we've got him on the podcast, but the developer acceleration program began in 2019. So it's a few years old already. And tell us about some of the learnings and maybe some of the, more importantly, some of the games that maybe some folks have played already. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, Chris, awesome. I'm glad he's going to be on the show as well. Yeah. In 2019, there was a small group of people. Well, there's a group of people on ID at Xbox team that were like, Hey, they recognize an opportunity to help diverse, underrepresented, uh, independent developers be able to bring their games to the platform. And so it was actually, you know, them finding and seeking out, you know, this opportunity that started this program. So they're like, hey, how can we create opportunities? And how can we create intentional opportunities? 
we know that us being able to reach the billions of gamers out there, it means that we have to welcome uh, more diverse experiences to the platform, meaning empowering more you know, diverse developers, underrepresented developers. And so this is not work that happens by accident. This is, we have to take intentional effort to be able to do this. And so the team recognized this in 2019, and we've been doing this work. And to date, we've been able to partner um, with a number of developers. We have, uh, we have uh, 100 titles that we partner with so far. And so there's been a lot of efforts that have been happening behind the scenes that we haven't talked about publicly. And then we have about 28 titles that have shipped on the platform. And so we're seeing a lot of momentum and, and, and growth to the program. But we're choosing this moment to talk about the program now because we want to make ensure that the teams that need our support the most know that we exist, know what we do, and know how to reach out to us. So that's the core of why we're talking about this right now uh, and kind of what we're excited about. I mean, and and it's also, it's really important because we've seen tremendous strides in diversity in the games industry, not just in games, but also in developers from not just different types of people with different backgrounds, but globally, they're from all over the world. And that's, and that, that's the beauty of the world we live in is that now you can, you don't have to be in one of these, these tech hubs, whether it's Seattle or London or San Francisco or Tokyo, you can be anywhere really and create a game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you and you asked earlier just about, you know, maybe some of the the games or the developers. Like yeah. we're finding, you know, through this program, we're able to work with and, and empower some amazing developers. You know, some of the ones that come to mind, um, there's a game called Validate. Uh, the the creator, Danny, Danny LaLanders, is is a member of the, the Black and LGBTQ community. And they've done some tremendous work in creating a game that they felt like was lacking in the industry that spoke to their experience. I mean, it's a game about, you know, dating in your 20s. Right. And this is the game that they wanted to see. And I believe that this type of game will go on and reach an audience of people that have similar perspectives to, to Danny and that can really relate to this content. And there are so many stories like that, you know, with our developers, whether they're, you know, creating a game from a particular, you know, cultural lens, or maybe, you know, it's a developer in, in Southeast Asia or Africa, and they're creating an experience that maybe we haven't seen, or a lot of our, our players on Xbox haven't seen that type of experience. And they had, there's an opportunity to reach, you know, more developers. So I'm excited by the stories and the games that we're seeing come through the program. I believe that is fundamentally how we're going to reach more gamers is when we can offer them content that speaks to their experiences and just welcome them to, to gaming. I think that's a key part of what we're doing. But so yeah, I'm yeah you know, excited. it's interesting because we, we've heard Phil Spencer, our boss, talk all the time about when everybody plays, we all win. And that doesn't just mean to gamers, to people playing the games, as people are playing the game of game development, right? So when everybody wants, if you think you've got a great idea for a game, like James just went through a bunch of different scenarios, if you think like, hey, how come there isn't a game about X, Y, or Z? Do it, right? Reach out to James's team and let's do it. Yes, you might be the person that needs to bring that game. And, and if, if you're thinking that way, you're thinking, hey, I have this idea that I haven't seen before, there's probably a lot of people that want to see that type of game, you right. know, and so those are the voices that we want to hear from. We invite you to reach out, you know, if you're already working on that game for PC and you're like, hey, you know what, I just need help bringing this to Xbox, you know, that's a bit daunting for me. I don't know how that works. Reach out to us. You know, yeah. we have a wonderful team here that can, you know, take those leads We're we're still working through the same processes to evaluate every bit of content to make sure these are awesome experience for our gamers, but we want to hear from you and our team wants to reach out and build that relationship. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because we talked about, you know, the developer acceleration program, which we've been talking about all along here. But it's also whether it's whether you're a, a, a current developer who perhaps has shipped on other platforms. And as James said, you want to port it over. I mean, port sometimes isn't a word that gamers want to hear, but it means better things lately. Uh, who wants to bring it over to Xbox? Or if you have this brilliant new idea that you think would be really exciting, also an opportunity that's about accelerating all developers. Right, James? Yes, absolutely right. Yep. So, you know, for for anybody that's seeking to, you know, bring your game to Xbox, but you, you know, again, maybe you, you, you know, the resources, every resource, every dollar you have is going into making the best game possible. We want to help offset the costs related to you actually bringing it to Xbox and allow you to focus on making the best experience. And then, you know, equipped with the information and best practices that we have here, we feel like we're, we're setting you up for success. But then also, if you're earlier and you're building a concept and you have a, you know, a team and, and you have this idea, we want to hear about that because we want to make sure that we're partnering, you know, right now in our pilot for prototypes. We, we're still looking for a small number of partners, but this can be a wonderful way to get those ideas off the ground. You you have your you have your your go do's right now, gamers. You know what to do if you have a great idea, James. I mean, I've been flashing your Twitter up here uh, on the screen a couple times, but how else can they can they email you as well? Yeah, absolutely. So we we're asking you know developers who are interested in, in learning more, participating in the program, to email us at idap at microsoft.com, and then our team will will reach out and follow up. So I encourage you if you're interested in in porting, you know, or prototypes or any of those initiatives that I mentioned, or if you have more questions, please reach out to us. We're we're eager and excited to to be in touch with you and to build on this list of games that that you know we currently have in the program. We have some amazing partners, and we're looking for more. It's always great to see what uh, programs that uh, that Chris Chris Charles and his team with the ID at Xbox and and now the the developer acceleration program. It's great to see that and just to see the 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 depth and breadth of games that we have on the Xbox platform. James, I know you got a lot to do. It was a great week for us down at GDC with some great news, some of which we just shared. So thank you for your time, my friend. And let's have you on again in the future to to maybe to talk about some of the games that that you're that you're seeing. I would love that. Thanks. Thanks for having me. We have a lot of really cool games coming. Always happy to come back and celebrate the developers and the titles that they're shipping. Joining me is Kristen Cox, who's the director of business strategy, the Xbox Studios team. Kristen, great to see you. It's great to see you as well. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to chat with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, and then you actually host a podcast as well. We're going to talk about that in a second. But tell us about your journey into Xbox. And then we'll talk about some of the GDC stuff that we've we've announced. Yeah, so I work for the Xbox Game Studios publishing team, um, and I joined a little over four years ago, joined Xbox a little over four years ago. Before that, I was a game dev for 16 years, Oh my! Um, mostly as a designer and a game director, right. working in MMOs. I did a lot of like large-scale MMOs, that's sort of where my design passion was. Uh, and then about four years ago, I was looking to sort of broaden my ability to like impact games. You know, when you work on MMOs, you work on them sometimes for 10 plus years, right? which is wonderful and deep and great. But I was like, wow, how many more do I have in me? I would love to go work um, somewhere where I had an opportunity to yep. touch more. Um, and the opportunity here at Xbox and the publishing side of 
uh, first party, which is the Xbox Game Studios publishing team, was a great opportunity. I do get a chance to work with a lot of developers now doing a wide variety of things, which has been wonderful. You know, it kind of reminds me of my role here at Xbox, where I get to kind of work horizontally across all the different products, whether it's hardware, it's software, it's services, games, it's it's a lot of fun. So I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. But you also, before we get into the GDC stuff that we've announced, I want to talk about, you actually are on a podcast, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, right when I joined Xbox, um, James Gertzman and I started a podcast called The Art of Live Ops. Here it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, there it is. We've been doing it for years now, sort of... Um, seasons what we do is we interview game developers about their experience working on live games yep and um, we just talk to them about everything from you know tech to design to community um everything in between any all of the, the struggles the challenges the learnings that they have from making live games mm -hmm. uh, we've interviewed a wide variety of people over the years from like Raf Koster, who is, you know, a, um, a founder of sort of live ops gaming yep. um, and all the way to like Austin Walker, who has an incredibly um, uh, unique perspective around like community and like content creation. So it's, it's been great to do. Um, you know, James has, uh, has moved on to do more exciting, fascinating things out in the world. So it's, it's just me these days doing the hosting, but, uh, we're still making, well, if you need another co-host, let me know. I've got oh a few hours gosh. left in the week. <laughs> there you go. You need another podcast for sure. Yeah. But let's uh, first of all, I want to make sure folks go check that out. If you're interested, even if you're not a game developer and you just want to learn a little bit more about what does it take to make my favorite games work? You know, this, it's a great opportunity to listen to that. But let's talk about GDC Game Developers Conference this year down in uh, San Francisco. It's it's back after a couple years. Tell us about how uh, the Xbox Game Studios are showing up at GDC this year. Yeah, I think we're, we're showing up in a big way. As you said, we're sort of back to like sort of full force in person for the first time in a while. And I think like many other people in the industry, um, everyone at Xbox Game Studios is feeling like we've learned a lot in the last two years. <laughs> we've done a lot in the last, you know, more like three years and we're ready to come share that. Like it's an opportunity. GDC is always a great opportunity to come and share. And we're really coming with that focus, reconnecting with our peers and, and colleagues around the industry and sharing all of the things that we've been up to and some of the learnings we've had. Yeah, I mean, this is our first full in-person, as you said, GDC in, in several years. Some of them are virtual. But now that we're all getting together, it's it's got to feel pretty good, right? I mean, I'm, I've, I'm, I'm doing a couple of events live, and it just feels good to get that muscle back and really, more importantly, see fans and see developers. Yeah, getting that personal connection really is important as an industry. You know, I think we're we're more virtual than we've ever been as an industry, which has opened up a lot of opportunities. But right. it is wonderful to get a chance to come together at these moments. And it really facilitates that learning, right? Like, it, I think anyone who's ever been to GDC knows that there's something special about coming together and just sharing with each other. We have such an innovative industry. There's so many things happening. Um, it's it's nice to be able to share that, what, what you're working on, what you're passionate about. Yeah, I mean, that, and to your point, it's it's a great innovative industry with a tremendous amount of passion, not just in the industry, but also people that maybe aren't in the street fans, you know, gamers. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. And, that, and that's always exciting to see. I want to talk about some of the sessions uh, we've got. We've had some of the sessions this week that we, we've been doing. Tell us about some of those and what people I mean, I know not everybody can go. That's, you know, people that listen to this podcast aren't probably aren't at GDC. Maybe some of them are. But tell us about some of the sessions that we cover and just to give some of the examples. Yeah. So for us at Xbox Game Studios, we you know, we're focused on 
uh, a wide variety of topics, really, like really from all levels. Um, we've got some really specific, you know, craft techniques and like solution stuff we're talking about in like tech art, narrative, animation, engine, you know, all of those kinds of really nitty gritty stuff where we're talking about doing the work. But we've also got stuff all the way back to like bigger, broader, you know, um, concerns or topics that we think about in the industry. We have sessions about the climate crisis. We have sessions about accessibility, about driving team culture, and even just how we approach the creative process. You know, I want to talk, Crystal, you and I have, have kind of talked before we started recording about what we're going to talk about. This one thing we didn't mention that I, I popped into my head as you were talking through that is you've been in the industry a long time. Has it been ex- as exciting for you in this industry to see it? evolve in such a way to have such to, to address things like climate crisis and, and, you know, accessibility. Those are things that, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, people were kind of thinking about, but now it's just part of our DNA, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I think watching the industry grow so much, I do remember, um, you know, back in the early days, just the, the questions were more, how do we get latency down? How do we actually push pixels onto screens? How do we manage our memory? And those are, interesting and exciting questions. And they're important questions that people are still asking today. (laughs) Absolutely. But it is nice to see that we really have grown as an industry so much that we feel like we have the maturity and ability to ask these questions in a broader sense as an industry, to not just think about them individually, but to ask as an industry, how are we approaching things like climate crisis? As an industry, how do we think deeply about our creative process and the way that it can be done, you know, with empathy uh, the way that it can be done sustainably. Yeah. You know, we talked about Xbox Game Studios publishing your team at GDC this year, but my understanding is we're one of the largest contributors. Is that true? That is true. We are, we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of great contributions being made by the Xbox Game Studios team this year, which is wonderful to see. Um, you know, we have um, people, as I said, coming from, the coalition, turn 10, 343, the initiative, my team, simply gone. We, we are a, a, uh, a large family these days and we're, yeah. we're, we're really showing up, I think, well to come and share some of our learnings, which is wonderful. It's, it's now you've got a, are you doing a session? Cause I think you are doing a session, right? I am doing a session. Tell me about yes. that. Yeah, uh, Peter Wise, who's the general manager for yep. Xbox Game Studios Publishing and my boss, um, we're doing a session together. We're going to sit down and do a little bit of like a fireside chat style session talking specifically about how we uh, collaborate with our development partners and how we think about publishing. Right. Um, you know, as it's a bit of a unique perspective for us, you know, we are a publisher. We're also first party and a platform on a platform um, and a huge brand like Xbox. Yeah. Um, but we want to talk a little bit more uh, on an intimate level about how we actually work with our developers and, and build relationships with them um, and try to lead with empathy um, and try to have sort of a, a bespoke and um, collaborative relationship with each one of our teams. Yeah, that's something I've noticed with your team uh, and, and publishing at large. I mean, we're, we're, your job is really to showcase a lot of the benefits, you know, of the Xbox platform. But it's also, it's not a one size fits all. Everyone has their own challenges and desires and goals, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys really work with them to make sure that everybody's, you know, all the mutual goals are being met. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest focus for us really is that we want to be an amazing partner that helps developers make their vision 
become a reality right. with Xbox. Like right. You want them to feel like, wow, I'm really able to achieve so much with Xbox and every game is different. So it really, it really has to be about those relationships and the individual creative uh, vision and goals for each one of the teams. You know, we talked about um, the fact that, you know, you've been in the industry for quite a while and I've been in the industry as well. And we've seen games evolve, uh, you know, just from a certainly from the SD era to the HD era and so forth, more pixels and, and so forth. But one of the areas that and you touched on at the beginning is is the fact that games now, back in the day, people used to press it to a disc and ship it and we're done. But now it's live live games and, you know, you've got the podcast and I'll bring that up again in a moment. But things have changed on that level as well. There's so much more flexibility now with games that are connected and live, right? Absolutely. And it's an incredible opportunity as a developer. I mean, I'm, you know, spent many of my years as an MMO developer, so maybe I'm a little bit biased here, but um, the ability to grow something um, along with a community um, and to see it evolve and change is so, so um, exciting. And it's such an amazing opportunity. It also opens up all kinds of new challenges (laughs) for how to facilitate that, how to, you know, manage that relationship with your community, how to, thinking even about a game like how to wrap your head around design right. it's going to last potentially for you know 10 15 years so i think it's a very exciting area but it's also one where there's a lot of discussion on the development side and the way that we approach those things because it's really evolving yeah i've also really appreciated not for not just from the evol- evolution of the games themselves and the back end and the technology but also game developers are creative about what can they do with this technology and how some things work and some things don't work. And it's, it's about experimenting. And that's, that's Mm -hmm. what part of what your team does in terms of exposes them to this vast toolkit that we have here at Microsoft. Yeah. I mean, it really is amazing what we can do now. And I know over the course of GDC, we have some announcements coming up also, not just from the Xbox game studio side, but from the other side um, of our developer tools, Um, you know, and we have people coming to do talks like from simply gone and, you know, people who are working on these backend solutions, there's a lot out there now Um, and there's so much we can achieve. And now with, you know, not even getting into how the cloud is starting to open up amazing opportunities to do things we never thought we could do before. Yeah, it's gonna be, and also, I mean, the hot buzzword right now is AI, right? Yes, how, well, how's that absolutely. gonna unlock some stuff? So, uh, mm-hmm. well, listen, uh, Kristen, it's great to see you. Uh, of course, if people want to check out the uh, your podcast, it's it's uh, the Art of Live Ops, and you can see it right here if you're watching this on video. I've got it on screen. Uh, where else can they find more details about uh, what they what you do? Yeah, there's a great landing page that people can hit if they just want to learn everything that's going on with Xbox at GDC and see some videos and and content information. And that's just head over to developer.microsoft.com slash games. Very simple like that. Kristen Cox, Director of Business Strategy here at Xbox for our Xbox Game Studios. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Let me know when you want me to come on your podcast. And you are welcome to come back anytime. Great. Thank you so much. ID at Xbox is 10 years old, and we are celebrating it big. Uh, Chris Charla, who's the, the brainchild behind ID at Xbox, is here to join us. Chris, good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, this is amazing. I mean, it seems like just yesterday we had you on the show to talk about the ID at Xbox program, and here we are 10 years on. Congratulations. I know. It is, uh, it's kind of amazing. It's been um you know, in, in a sense, it feels like yesterday. In a sense, it feels like it's been a really long time. I, I mean, I guess it has been 10 years, yeah. but it's been really cool. Like since the 
early days, like helping co-found it to today, just getting to work with like so many awesome devs. It's like, it remains fun every single day. Let, let's talk, let's go back a little bit. Cause do you remember the first game that launched on the ID at Xbox uh, in the ID at Xbox program? It, or do you, do you consider there's a first one or is it, it was more of a group of them? It was really a group of them. Okay. Um, and, and um, yeah, but it was like April, 2014. I think we announced the program in 2013 and, and formulated it. Our first meetings with developers were at GDC 10 years ago. Yep. And then, you know, cause we had some ideas about what we were going to do. And then um, I think our first game started to come out um, in, um, in April of 2014. Right. Cause it, obviously game development takes a while, you know, better than anybody. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's, let's go back a little bit and talk about, you know, the progress and journey that ID at Xbox has been over the past 10 years. You had a blog post, you know, GDC is this week, you know, your team is down there. You had a blog post up on Xbox wire earlier this week, but kind of go through a little bit for us to remind folks. And it's, it's always great to hear it from you. Yeah, I mean, the cool thing is, is it really like digital distribution for independent developers pioneer was was really pioneered by Xbox back in the old Xbox Live Arcade days on Xbox 360, even a tiny little bit before that on, you know, OG Xbox. Because you had to have and a disc, then, remember? Um, you had to have a disc to yeah. like download. It was it was like the bootloader. Xbox Live Arcade <laughs> came with a disc. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, and uh, but the indie scene just took off like yeah amazingly and then you think like it's now been 15 years since that summer of arcade where you had castle crashers and braid and geometry wars 2 all launching and kind of launching indie games into the mainstream and the indie game scene just started to grow super super quickly and the developers started to progress really really quickly and it actually grew faster than microsoft could support it yeah. you know we had 360 which was a really forward-looking console but it was designed you know years before that and 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 so supporting devs with things like self-publishing just just wasn't possible but you know developers are looking at the future which they should be and they were not shy about letting us know where we were um starting to fall short um yeah. on 360 and so as we were getting into the xbox one generation we knew we had to do better so conversations started in redmond with our you know friends in the uk and in asia and then when we got to gdc 2013 we really started talking to developers about hey we're thinking about making you know we, we know we need to make changes for independent developers we're thinking about this we're thinking about that and you know and luckily the development community is is um you know, was really clear about what they wanted, what they needed, what they didn't want, what they didn't need. And, you know, ultimately it came down to make it easy to ship games on Xbox and everything else is going to take care of itself. And yeah. in. No, no, go ahead. Cause it's, it's, it really is. It, it seems in retrospect, it seems so simple, but there was a lot of challenges that you and your team and, and everybody had to go through those days. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a lot harder to publish a game 10 years ago, whether, not, not just because of our internal systems, which were more complex than they are today, but it was just harder. It was harder with game engines. Like, everything was harder. And so um, we worked really, really hard. And, and, you know, and again, our principle was like, make it easy. Everything will be okay. And we know that we'll be able to, we'll get like a huge selection of great games on the platform. And then we'll get, um, we, we will get, uh, um, we'll get the, the, the right games for the right developers. And that was, that was the goal. And that is exactly what we've, you know, worked really hard to do and still a ton of work to do, but we're still working on it every single day. 
We have uh, James uh, Lewis from your team on the on the show this week talking about the developer acceleration program. How how does that sit next to ID at Xbox? I mean, is it's part of it, but it's 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 its own unique beast as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, it really goes back to what I was just talking about. You know, our goal with ID originally, obviously for developers, we want to make it as easy to publish games as possible. But for players, we want to make sure they have access just to the widest array of games possible. And we knew that, you know, we, we needed independent developers to provide that to Xbox fans. As we have gone into the ID at Xbox program in, in 2019, we started to see a problem which was that there's all these amazing voices, amazing creators, a lot of them new to game development, new to Xbox. And we'd see their games at shows, it shows like PAX, it shows like GDC. And we'd ask them, hey, thinking about coming to Xbox? And the answer was, you know, like, I'd like to, but, you know, we'll have to see how the game does, you know, because a lot of these devs are new, they don't have tons of money. And so we realized that we were... at risk of failing our promise to our players to make sure they had a wide variety of games by not getting these developers who came from underrepresented uh, groups onto Xbox. And so we started a program. It started as a a V team at first and then has now become a full program under James to, um, to begin a business relationship with these developers and help them port their game to Xbox um, in, in a way that, that's basically cost neutral to them. They can see what the performance is like. They then have an Xbox game under their belt. So when they get ready to do their next game, it's easy to bring it uh, to Xbox. And, you know, the net result, we've, we've, we've signed more than 100 titles um, through the program now. And, um, um, and the net result has been, you know, a lot of games shipping on Xbox that might not have come to Xbox otherwise, which, which feels really good. Yeah, I want to just point something out. People are probably listening going, V-Team? What's a V-Team? That's a virtual team at Microsoft. (laughs) That's where we have a bunch of different people working on projects. So I want to make just, just, I'll I'll be Chris's uh, decoder today. (laughs) That is, yeah, sorry. That's some inside baseball Microsoft talk. Uh, But I I also, but the interesting thing about the ID at Xbox program, and frankly, all the developers that you've been working with, and there's some surprising games that people would never think Oh, you're part of the ID at Xbox program, but it's it's just interesting to see all the the gambit of games. But it's also interesting because the the ID at Xbox developers they really push the envelope forward and, and advance us and push us to be better and push the industry to be better, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Because what we see is that a lot of the developers are smaller. Yeah. Um, they don't need to sell as many copies to be able to do what they do sustainably, although they sell great on Xbox. Um, but it enables them to take, I'll, I'll just say like, to take more risks faster. Like I think if you look at, you know, um, you know, traditional software, there is a lot of progression. There is a lot of innovation year on year, but the games are so big that, you know, like a huge amount of innovation might only be two or 3% of a big giant game, right? Sure. Whereas for an independent developer who might be making a smaller game, that same sort of amount of innovation is like 80% of a game, you know, 80% of a game is something you've never seen before. And so it, because they're smaller, it enables them to take more risks. It enables the developers typically have, you know, flatter structures, complete creative control. And so we see just like amazingly progressive games coming out from the, <coughs> excuse me, from the ID at Xbox program or from developers in the ID at Xbox program. And then we actually sometimes see some of those innovations and some of those things they're trying, you know, 
move back to the the AAA guys, yeah. and 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 so it's it's really interesting to see how um, the industry pushes itself forward. Like there's always progression, and you know sometimes the progression comes from a large developer, a large publisher doing something, and a lot of independents see that and like, oh, we could do something else with that. And then sometimes the innovation comes from an independent developer doing something, and you know folks at the large developer saying like. That's cool. Like That's cool. we should think about that for our game. Yeah, I know. I, for instance, I was thinking about some of the the things that um, the idea at Xbox program has helped us kind of really help develop, like the game preview program or cross platform play or even cross progression. Those are some things that really kind of, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, they kind of bubbled up from that from that area. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, devs came to us and said, like, hey, we do early access on Steam. We do early access on our own. Like, why can't we do early access on Xbox? And, why you know, it's, it's, a, <laughs> so. <laughs> it's a great question. And, and we, we took, a, you know, honestly, we took a few months to think about it and to say, like, well, how do we ensure there's consumer protection? How do we make sure, you know, players know what's going on? And because we think about that kind of thing a lot. Right. But once we got those questions answered, we were like, let's go for it. And yeah. the same was true with crossplay. Like, hey, you know, we have all these players on Xbox, but we have all these players on PlayStation. We have all these players on Switch. Like, what are we doing? And, yeah. um, and you know, that there was long conversations. And it's just something that I think a lot of fans thought would never, ever happen. Um, and then, you know, one day at GDC a few years ago, we just announced like, oh, by the way, like if you want to do crossplay between Xbox and other consoles, like go for it. You know, fun, we, yeah. we solved all the policy problems on our side to make sure we were um, maintaining safety for our players. And then we we went for it. Yeah. Ten years. I mean, the other part of this is we talked about some of the innovation, but the other side is what your team, the ID at Xbox program has pushed back into developers in terms of their success. Like, I know that there's like, you've paid out billions of dollars or something like that, right? Yeah, we have paid uh, independent developers who are in the program. Sorry, I'm looking at my cat. That's okay. The cat can join us. We we like cats. Uh, (laughs) I like cats too. He's he's very needy and he's very excited that I'm upstairs. Um, But yeah, sorry. Uh, We have paid independent developers uh, more than $4 billion. um, Would it be $4 billion? Yeah. Which that's is, amazing. That's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, it feels like it to me anyway. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and so we've seen developers achieve success that is really like life changing. Right. Uh, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's it's first of all, I want to again congratulate for 10 years. I mean, you must you know, you wake up every day and you're looking at games and you're helping game developers really see their vision forward and being able to ship it to gamers where you know and you you talked a little bit about this in the in the, in the blog post but where, 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 where are we going next so i think it's to some extent it's more and faster like yep. our goal of making it easy to ship on xbox is never done like we have a lot of work to do but in another place that you know we've talked to developers and things they're talking to us about in that we're working on with them really closely is discovery um, and and other things. And then one thing is, and we, we saw this a lot during the pandemic, was that folks who were maybe new to the program um, didn't know who to reach out to to talk about not just getting their game onto Xbox, but like the potential of doing a deal. Like, hey, you know, Game Pass has been one of the coolest things in the last, I don't even know, I'll say 10 years um, in gaming. And it's a great way to try tons of games. It's a great way for players to find a favorite game and for developers to find their audience. And, you know, folks are like, well, I don't know who to talk to if I want to get a game into Game Pass. And 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 so 
we we took that as really good feedback and and we actually announced um, publicly uh, in the blog post the other day that we're now going to be we have a way that once you're in the ID at Xbox program and you signed an NDA because we always make sure there's an NDA before yep. we look at a concept. If you want to get a game into consideration for a deal, like to be in Game Pass or another deal, um, there's a place where you can just go and tell us about the game. And the exact same people who look at every other game concept uh, that comes in will look at it. So you no longer have to like, you know, you you don't have to know me. You don't have to know somebody else from the ID at Xbox program. If you want to get a game, you know, into consideration for a deal, you should be able to. And And that just speaks to our desire to be as fair as possible to, to all developers to make sure everybody's got an equal shot at everything. And, you know, and also just the fact that we have no idea where great games are going to come from. And we want to make sure we see as much as possible. And, you know, as the program has grown and we've grown from, I think, the first GDC in 2014, we talked about having 200 developers in the program and we were really proud. Yep. Now there's like 4,600 developers in the program and it's hard to know everybody personally. And yeah. so, you know, as, as we want to make sure that we provide the same access to everyone doing something like this, we hope is really going to help there. Yeah, I mean the reality is you you have you've talked about the numbers and and they're they're staggering. Um but it's it, you you we re- really just want to bring as many games as we can to people that want to play them and we want people to realize help them realize their vision through we've got an inclusive developer tools, we've got an you know our PlayFab backend. I mean whether you want to do something crazy with Azure or like you said crossplay, there's the, the sky's the limit in so many ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we want to just, I mean, and the great thing is on Xbox, independent developers can do anything any other developer or publisher can do. There's nothing that, you know, you, when, when you join ID at Xbox and you get access to the Xbox documentation, there's not like a special section for, for the big guys or something. You, yeah. you can You're do all reading the same and, stuff, yeah. Yeah, and, and in fact, we've seen, and we talked about it a second ago, a lot of the biggest policy changes over the last 10 years were driven by indies. And yeah. so, you know, we, we just want to enable developer success and all with a vision to making sure that players, when they turn on their Xbox, are just delighted every single time. It's a great program idea at Xbox. I know I know you got to go because apparently your cat needs you, uh, <laughs> among other things. But no, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate you coming on. You're always welcome to come back on the show. We love hearing about ind- independent developers. And uh, and Chris, any final words before before I cut you free? No, thanks a lot. Um, uh, just excited to have people play. And if you're a developer and you want to join the program, xbox.com slash ID. Now, we are going to talk gaming sustainability and joining us today. I, I got to tell you, I'm so excited. I've had a lot of guests on this show. Trista Patterson, who's the director of gaming sustainability here at Xbox. Welcome to the show. Hey, Larry. Thanks. Nice to be here. It is great to have you. I mean, this is a fascinating role that when I started in gaming many years ago, it you know, we've made such strides and to have a director of gaming sustainability is really a, a amazing uh, and to have you as part of the team. Tell us a little bit about your background and your journey to Team Xbox. Um, I think my journey to Team Xbox was one of those wonderful sharp right turns that one makes in your career. It's an opportunity to to be able to follow kind of an intuition of a really powerful cultural place to make an impact worldwide and to especially empower others to create their best work. So that has been really amazing to me. I started out as um, a marine biologist long ago. 
Mm -hmm. So I'm trained in environmental sciences for many years, but I decided that I wanted something to that would address the drivers of environmental change. So I shifted and became an economist. I served as 10 years with the federal government as a senior economist with Department of Agriculture, and then moved to a support unit for UN Environment called GRID, located in southern Norway. And it was there where I first started looking at the impact in terms of communication mediums that were arising that were very far off United Nations radar in terms of what was forming the most dynamic changes in the world. And the statistics from the gaming industry were absolutely undeniable and so intriguing to me. And so as we went along, it took a lot of convincing within the UN system, but I wrote a report called the Playing for the Planet Report. It's an assessment of the ways in which gaming was impacting the environment, but also the ways in which we can create powerful good using the gaming industry Mm -hmm. to create the change that we want to see. And from that, we created the Playing for the Planet Alliance, And that was at UN General Assembly in New York City in 2019. And it was there that we invited the CEOs of about 22 different AAA gaming companies, including Phil Spencer, Mm -hmm. to come together across the industry and talk about the ways in which the gaming industry could create change, especially an action on the climate agenda. The first of all, I, I'm I'm in awe. I feel like I shouldn't even be having this conversation because I mean, I, I you have such an incredible background, both academic and obviously in the political space. So to have you on Team Xbox working on such an important initiative, frankly, as I'm just I'm just I'm thrilled to have you here. So let's talk a little bit about what what we've announced at GDC this week because a lot of people think about GDC, they think game developers and pixels and getting high frame rates and all the rest of that stuff. But tell us a little bit about what what our announcements were this week. Well, I think, as I was saying, um, throughout my career, I've focused on those places kind of like a um, an acupuncture system where you can create small locations of impact <laughs> that then they ripple out and they create dynamic transformation everywhere. And the announcement that we've made at GDC this week has everything to do with that. Mm-hmm. For a long time, the industry has maintained that there's really no gains to be found in greening game code. And that's because there's an enormous complexity between the hardware, the software, the electrical and other engineering, the design, and then the game code itself that creates the power that is required in order to create the gaming experience. And these are all laced up together and it's a mess. (laughs) Broadly considered, the industry decided that this was a completely intractable problem. In fact, publicly within the Playing for the Planet Alliance, um, it was considered even as of a month ago to be an impossible problem to solve. And so what has been really... um, a deep honor of mine has been to work with the engineers and the designers, the facilitators, those that work with user and gamer experience to come up with a way to precision engineer the visual and analytical feedback that is needed for game developers to make changes to their code 
that will allow them to reduce energy consumption on the consoles in the living room of every gamer in the world. And wow. that's really wow. exciting. And not only that, we'll be able to empower not just game developers within the Xbox gaming system, but also through the tooling and different products that we are releasing this week to the broader gaming industry, then we are empowering and inviting the rest of the industry to use these insights, these case studies, these tools, and also inspire their own investigations in order to be able to create impact, no matter how small or large their gaming studio is. I mean, that that is, first of all, congratulations. That's an amazing feat to be able to, to almost do the impossible. When we think about, you know, when gamers and myself and some other folks, they think about, you know, saving energy, they usually think about the work we've done with the console and saving the energies. We recently shipped the energy saver on the console that I know you were involved with, which is a great feature. But there's so much more because it's kind of like what you want to accomplish or what we all want to accomplish is kind of at odds with what gamers everywhere want. We want more power because more power equals more pixels and faster frame rates and better images. So this is really a a, a conversation that's almost at odds with each other, isn't it? It can be. I think people <laughs> consider it that way, but that's like the tip of the iceberg, right? At, you see the conflict, that dichotomy, and that's the visible part. What you don't see is everything underneath the yeah. underwater side of the iceberg. And um, the point that you made about all of the different pieces that go into creating these impacts, that's really important because even though I'm sitting in a role of director of gaming sustainability, really all I do is help pull together the results from the United Nations of the gaming in the gaming ecosystem right. all across Xbox and also reaching into Microsoft and in cooperation with the broader industry. It's more just facilitating the great work of others. And so it's from this long time investment of not only the hardware engineering, but the electrical engineers that have been putting in just really top-notch innovation and studying this problem long over time. We have data engineers that have been embedding these systems in the reporting and certification processes. We have specialists in publishing and user interface that are helping game developers interpret and use these results and also helping that interface between the gamers themselves and the games they experiences be, experience because they have choices too. And what's beautiful about the, the work that we're really focusing on is that it's a win-win proposition. These are areas of clear and silly waste that nobody knew existed. And it's right. just a matter of turning those stones to reveal those opportunities to as many people in as many different roles across the ecosystem as possible to encourage and empower them to take action wherever they are. And that's what's most powerful is that you can, you can hire someone in the sustainability field. You can even have a sustainability team. But the thing is, in order to combat the climate crisis, this is a job for everyone. Every yeah. job is a climate job. No one can do everything. Everyone can do something, but it's a it, the onus is on us to create those really accessible, fun, feedbacky, almost gamified type tools to help people do their best work. 
So, so first of all, it, 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 amazing. The, the, the benefits we've got are twofold because we always talk about benefits to developers and benefits to gamers. Talk a little bit about that from the developer side and, and the gamer side. We've kind of talked around it a little bit, but let's put some bullets on it. Well, if you think about um, a gamer that's looking, uh, this, is a, this is a career-defining opportunity for so many developers that are looking not just um, – where they are now, but where their careers might be in the future. Yeah. You know, I, as you can see, I come from hockey country. So, <laughs> so we say we skate where the, where the puck is going to be, not where it is now. And we know that from the best available science, that climate issues are going to become more pronounced in the future. This is inevitable. There will be more energy price spikes. There are rolling blackouts that are currently affecting gamers all around the world. There is a, a concern about taking personal action. And so from that standpoint, this is an opportunity for a game developer to, one, tackle a really gnarly problem and dig their teeth into something meaty, right? Yeah. I mean, if they work on this, if they solve this, they're dynamite, they're right. ace. We have the best in the business working on this, but notably, this is a new area of innovation. So you don't have the old guard that are, you know, the, the gods of game development that have dominated that space. This is a disruptive area of technology innovation where newcomers from tiny studios, from any position in a gaming studio, can find an opportunity and a foothold, and they can create ridiculous impact with very, very little investment. And I'm talking about 5 to 10% of their discretionary time, working in their off time, or a, a minuscule leftover budget someone forgot about. These are, there's a lot of low hanging fruit there. It's an enormous leadership opportunity. And it's something that then positions the studios for enormous success in the future, because this is where the market is going to be. I mean, it's, it's, it's so, there's so much going on there. It's kind of hard to get your head around when you joined, you know, you worked in the, in the different areas. And I think, I think if I remember reading a little bit about you before, uh, you, you worked with bi marine biology, you worked with penguins, right? <laughs> if I recall, so, which is by I the way, we we'll have to get you on for a penguin podcast. But, but when you, when you were on this journey, what attracted you to gaming? Was it this, you kind of alluded to it earlier. Was it a blind spot for, for global, for the, for, for, for people in the UN and you like, wow, or are you a gamer? Tell me what, what really turned well, you into this? Let's um, let's face it, it. Gaming is not legitimized as a, a global communication or community um, agent that it is. Yep. You know, it's a it's a force of nature in and of itself, and it's growing rapidly. It's in it's economically extraordinarily powerful. It is. Um, it has a momentum, especially because it taps into the youth, the creativeness, the positivity. That was something that was also really attractive to me because let's, I mean, in the environmental field, there's things are going haywire right and left. You know, right. it's a depressing field. If society focuses on everything going wrong all the time and we're, we're, encountering stories of 
loss and destruction. It's true that statistically there are many, many challenges in front of us, but gaming opens up all of these remarkable creative problem solving. People have fun doing it. It's addictive. It's something that is interactive. You can do it with your friends. It can open up new ideas. You can have fun doing things differently. I mean, you can have fun breaking things in a game. And right right now, we're not having fun breaking the planet. How stupid is that? Let's have fun fixing it. So that also has really has really drawn me to it. It's, it's positivity, the, um, the analytics in the engineering are also something of enormous elegance. And Mm -hmm. I really appreciate so much the depth and the breadth of experience and also when engineers get excited and geek out on things that is that is really fun for me and yeah. so this is this is a uh, um gaming for me offers a sweet spot from a lot of different perspectives you know it's interesting because i've worked at xbox for a long time as you know and it's it's you're right engineers love hard problems and what you just described over the past few minutes is it's one of the hardest problems to solve, but it's also one that is going to have tremendous impact, not just for my kids and your kids, but their kids and, and beyond generations to come. And we're at this point where I have to do it. We talked about the toolkit that we that we that we we released and some of the things you've talked about at GDC this week. Why why is the toolkit important? I mean, it, you kind of explained that already, but let's kind of put a fine point on. We'll put a we'll put, we'll put a bow on it. Um, for the developers, I think it offers something for everyone. So there's the the game developer toolkit and the power monitoring tools. Again, they're super visual. There's GPU measurement and there's, well, we don't need to get into the alphabet soup. Um, there's the certification reports that will increasingly become available to more and more studios, not only inside the Xbox ecosystem, but these are going to become industry standard in the future. Yeah. Um, there's power consumption dashboards, and then there's the guidance and the best practices and the case studies with a pilot program so that different game developers that bring together a group of specialists can get assistance in the toughest problems facing them. That I think, um, when you roll all that up, the analytics are just so good. And so um, the benefits are free for the taking. And that is an opportunity that is really hard for so many studios to pass up. The other, the other thing that I find really remarkable is that when a studio sees what a no brainer it is to institute so many of these, we call them energy bugs to fix them they fix them in a way that is not just um, reducing emissions on the Xbox console platform, but they're instituting improvements to the entire game code. And that game code then gets released to almost every other platform that they are releasing to in the future. So those learnings then show tremendous leadership on the part of Xbox to create positive innovation industry-wide. And that is something that I really appreciate because um, gaming sustainability is um, is a, is something that Xbox is very proud of and making um, big strides in. But it's not the kind of thing that with climate, you can't, you can't 
beat your competitor at it. You have to kind of, <laughs> you have to compete against your own best self in every category. Right. And just like gaming, we saying gaming is gaming for everyone. When everyone plays, everyone wins. Same goes for when everyone reduces energy and emissions, everyone on the planet wins. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. So this is a unifier and that allows us to make tremendous gains and it opens up new collaborative possibilities that didn't exist before. And that is also really exciting to me. You know, Trista, I mean, we could go on forever and ever. I want to have you back on the show again, because this is, you know, when you joined the team, you know, it was it was the beginning of our journey. We were a little bit on the journey, but you've helped us focus and move forward. But this is a long term journey. And, you know, there's so much work to be done here, and of which it's a major moment this week with the release of the toolkit at GDC and helping developers. I mean, gamers right now, one, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast frequently. You can, there's a lot of things you can do right now. And one of them is going to your console and turning on the energy saver mode and just, and start right there, right? Because that's, that's how you, like you said, Trista, everybody can make a, a little bit of a difference somewhere. Exactly, exactly. And I would love to come back and have a chance to, rave about <laughs> so many of my team members and all of the remarkable things that they're doing because they're they're in and of themselves the game changers and I think everybody listening to this this podcast has an opportunity to create that change in whatever role they're in wherever they are and that right. is that is really cool and really fun it's it's amazing. And Trista, you are welcome to come on the show anytime you'd like. Trista Patterson, Director of Gaming Sustainability. So great to hear about the news from GDC this week. We're on a journey. Xbox is on a journey of sustainability. You, the gamers, are with us. You, the developers, are with us. And, and Trista, Trista is going to help us go there, right? <laughs> I'm happy to go right along with you. But, you know, it's the momentum and energy from everyone around that really feeds me. It's exciting to be part of this group. Thanks so much. Thank you so much to all our GDC interviewees. I love that chat with uh, Trista at the end there. Um, yeah. That sustainability, like getting that sort of engineer's eye, well, I guess Trista isn't an engineer, but that, that engineering eye view of, right. you know, we've done so much already to, you know, done taken those steps to making carbon aware consoles, which was something I was writing about just after I, I joined, but the idea of like greening game code and yeah. that, that like matrix level view of this stuff where you're kind of cleaning up power problems inside the code of games is, is wild. Like, it's what it's, incredible. It's kind of, it's kind of one of the reasons we do what we do is we love working uh, on projects like this. And it was, uh, Trista was great. Uh, of course, James was great talking about the accelerator program and, mm. uh, and, and, and Kristen and, uh, and of course, Chris Charles is always great talks. So thank you to, again. Thanks uh, for getting us out there, but thanks for all of our guests for coming by GDC this week. Um, we got a couple more things to do and then we're going to wrap it up here for this show. Joe, first of all, I have to tell you, what a delight it's been having you on the show. Malik, you've also you've also brought it as well. Thank you. I think I'll take it. Um I will say Joe's mustache I'm I feel like I got to I got to step my game up. That mustache oh, is, yeah, is great, Joe. I, I got to Thank you so much. I mean, it, it's taken me full years to get to this point. I'm sure it won't take you as long to match it, but uh, it's, <laughs> okay, I'll try. it's it's staying for now. I, you know, no matter how many people are like, why is Mario working at Xbox? I'm just going to keep it. Like, <laughs> yes, uh, I like that. I like that. Um, anyway, a couple things. Uh, as we talked about GDC, none of us are at GDC this week, but I'm actually headed, depending upon when you're listening to the show, uh, if you listen to it earlier, like the moment it gets released, I'm headed out to Boston. Um, and this is actually brand new information for PAX East, 
we are going to do, we're not, Xbox isn't on the show floor proper, but um, we're going to do a little pop-up event Thursday night. I don't know where, I don't know when, uh, but keep an eye on my Twitter at Major Nelson and uh, and you can, and I'll tweet out when I'm on the airplane on my over, I'm leaving Thursday morning. So once I know what's going on there, but I will tell, tell you this. Uh-oh. <clears throat> The gloves are out, Joe. You know so what that means. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this. I'm gonna tell you this. And Joe, this probably doesn't mean anything for you because you're in the UK. But let me let me uh, get my let me get ready to go full screen. Here is lots of suspense. Oh my well, god. My well, here's the here's this is actually really cool. Um, if when you when I tweet out wherever this event is going to be, this little PAX event, it'll be probably in the evening, um, Thursday night in Boston. We're gonna we're gonna give away some Game Pass codes, but we going to bring some of these with us <laughs> oh so now these what okay. in case you're wondering what these are uh clearly you know what it is but these are special xbox oreos that we're selling only in uh europe and specifically i think you know there's certain regions in europe you can't even get these in the u.s and and, and joe have you picked these up at your local uh tesco i have i need i needed this special oreo sea of thieves uh code <laughs> sea of thieves uh, masks so, but we're, yeah, we've got I a bunch have. of these we're going to give away at this event. In fact, you can I don't know if you can see, but like the ABXY and the and the Xbox logo are on the on the on the little cookies themselves. Did did I get you a roll of these, Malik? No. Okay. No, I, I, you haven't. And I, I will say I think it's hilarious that you have the uh, gloves out for something that wouldn't show fingerprints. I I love this is peak Major Nelson. I love it. <laughs> Well, I want, I want to, you know, when I do this, I want to show respect, respect to the origin. Anyway, we're going to have some of that. We're going to have some of those to hand out um, and a few other things as well. So keep an eye on my Twitter at Major Nelson packs this weekend. We're, we're kind of getting back into the live event scene. Uh, We've been out because of uh, COVID for a few years. We're going to try a couple things. I'd love to, I'd love to meet you. So there's, there you go. So uh, anyway, we're going to wrap things up here, Joe, anything you want to say before the sun comes through and <laughs> kisses you on the face yes it's really it's really get i mean you talk about vampires for two minutes Look at just this. shines the sun in your face that is um, bold yeah no i i am delighted to have to been a part of this week's xbox podcast i would love to come back if i've acquitted myself well enough oh i think um, i think you have yeah. you've more than you and your mustache will be welcome back anytime um <laughs> it's superb. it's i know i don't but i but to be clear i don't want to take you away from your work on xbox wires because that's you're doing some amazing work over there so i want to thank you for all that it's very kind um so yeah you can absolutely come back again malik you're always welcome back when you uh you know when you can press a and play a game Thanks. Next time you see me, I'll be in Miami. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right, gang, we're going to come back next week. I don't know who's going to be here. Maybe Jeff, maybe Malik, maybe Joe, maybe this, we may be just copy paste for next week right here. Uh, But we'll, we'll be back next week. we got a bunch of stuff I'm working on more interviews and more fun. So on behalf of everybody here at Xbox, thank you for liking and subscribing and thumbs up and hitting the bell and leaving a comment and all that, all that nonsense that YouTube loves. Just a quick reminder. uh, If you're listening did, did my video just gone. leave? Your signal's gone. My signal's gone. It disappeared. Wow. Okay. Well, then we're gonna go. I feel like we should just hold on a minute. Let's. Let's. I. I don't even know what's going on here. My. I, I clearly my camera decided not. To, I've. By the way, it's never done this before, so I'm a little little puzzled as to why it did this. It heard um, you the I show think we keep like, all right, let's in. go. Anyway, we're just here. Yeah. We're just gonna go there and have me voiceover. There the irony is. is, the irony is, as I was about to say before we closed out, is that if you're if you're listening to this on anywhere else, we do have video on YouTube and and, and Spotify. <laughs> so the irony that it killed my camera at that exact moment is is not lost on uh. me. So. 
Anyway, thank you, gang. Do you guys have anything you want to say before I let them uh, stop looking at your beautiful faces? I really hope you fix your camera. That's that's basically <laughs> it. I think that's perfect. All right, gang. We'll see you guys next week. Maybe, maybe not. You'll definitely hear us. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>